0: The following program contains graphic material, including
1: offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still
2: think politics is boring? Well, not
1: when you can say fun words
2: like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com.
1: didn't cause the outbreak and the spread of corruption Thus the stench of a dying system attracting a worm He got elected because of the blind desperation Then took from the country everything that he could earn Congress has been bought and sold lobbyists Exceed the thirty-fold elections Let's take a look at those conversions that are too dumb to disclose Election corruption has nothing to do with dead voters Or ballot box stuffing, or voting machines with encoders It's not about dictators debits are still wielding their power and not about drop-ups or voting in earlier hour. Bad. Back in 2010 the Supreme Court made a decision then citizens united that corporation played in Why can a victim with an in the rich can now just legally pride The Congress of course just was in mind them taxes they proscribe, pushing the burden onto the poor. What could go wrong when you put the weight of the system on the backs of the poorest who struggle with no assist? Burdened with debt from a college they barely remember, raising a family on barely enough to exist. The bribery of Congress gets regulatory captured With corporate stooges appointed to places of power Where they oversee and protect their own corruption Safe from the law and the arms of their ivory tower Don't know where we go from here It's all fear and greed and greed and fear Hope that something better will appear or now we'll have to leave
0: The Parody Project strikes again. Corruption. Yes. Uh, (laughs) A lot of words there. But, um, you know, singing truth to power, I guess. And since today we're talking about legalese, we're talking about, um, uh, yes, everything. By the way, uh, just look, glance over at the chat room, and Jan asks, is your link to buy the Blendjet 2? On your website? Yes, it is. And thank you for asking. So if you go to NicoleSandler.com, right there on the main page, like right under the main menu, it says support our sponsors. And click on there. And there's links to not only the the Blendjet 2 offer, where you get 12% off. Uh, and, and, and free shipping um, by using my link there. Um, there's also a link to Nom, Nom Nom uh where you get 50% off your first supply of dog food, great natural dog food, which you should definitely check out if you've got a dog, and, um, and BetterHelp, uh, com as well, where you can get 10% off your first month of, of therapy. Um, so yes, it's all right there. Yes, and Parity Project is awesome. Don Karen has really kicked it into high gear uh, in, in the recent months. He's, he's, he's churning them out like you know a few a week. So uh, anyway, and that one works for today because today we are dealing with all the legalese and um, Lisa Graves is here. Now, those of you who, who haven't been around uh, this show very long may not know Lisa Graves, but you will. And you should. So, Lisa is, you know, is the legal expert of the Nicole Sandler show. And when she comes on the show, she's acting in her capacity as a an individual, uh, a citizen, and and a an accomplished attorney. Lisa, I don't even have her whole resume printed out anymore. And if I went through the whole thing, we'd be here all day. But she worked, for instance. On the Senate Judiciary Committee, she was in charge of uh, like nominations and stuff. So vetting all the 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 candidates that they nominated for various positions. Um, she also worked at uh, um, uh, in the Justice Department under both Janet Reno, Attorney General in the Clinton administration, and um, uh, what's his name. Um, I always want to con a, a, not not Alberto Gonzalez the the other one it'll come to me in in the W investigation uh, investigation administration um, God why am I drawing a blank on his name Ashcroft I always want to say Richard Ashcroft because he was the 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 singer from the Verve but it's John Ashcroft was the Attorney General the crooked Attorney General you know most Republicans are aren't they. Yeah. Uh anyway, so Lisa Graves has paid her dues, is has has the bona fide's, as they say. Um yes, I got Ashcroft, but I I, I I go between John and Richard. Um anyway, so so Lisa will be here and what a day. Because there's been action today on the legal uh front. So a few things happened. One is first of all a topic we don't talk about often here because I don't think there's any there there but a, a special counsel for hunter biden are you kidding me i i just don't get it um so there's that uh there was the hearing in judge um uh in, in the um uh in, in the i'm i'm pulling up the um the the God, I'm I'm not I'm just losing it today. The protective order governing discovery and authorizing disclosure of grand jury testimony in the courtroom of Judge Tanya Schutkin. It was the first official hearing in this I I'll call it the insurrection case, even though he's not charged with insurrection. But the third, the most recent indictment of the former guy, um, they had their first hearing today dealing with that that protective order and what the protective order is is not a gag order, as as Trump is inferring and his minions are, you know, protesting. Um, they're not gagging him. I wish they would, because then we'd have a little peace. But um, they're basically saying that he can't he can't disclose. Any discover, any information that he gleans from discovery and discovery is look the um uh, Jack Smith's office has been compiling a case, and they've got lots of evidence, and they have to turn over to the defense what what evidence they've amassed. that's discovery. What Donald Trump wants to be able to do is take the discovery that they get and and plaster it all over the media. He wants to try the case in the media. And this judge is saying, watch out, friend, because this ain't happening. Um, And again, I'm going to wait for Lisa to come on to give you the more specifics because what I'm giving you is the layperson's (laughs) take on all of it. Um, You know, uh, somebody just said, uh, uh, Rick Smith, Trump should have been indicted a long time ago just for his hair. You know... One thing that really bothers me is how the entirety of Trump has been normalized. And start with his hair. There's nothing normal about that, man. And the fact is, you saw that. It's a bird's nest on top of his head. It used to freak me out. But I think we've gotten used to it. Um, uh, I think we've gotten used to it. And so we're not as shocked by the thing on the top of his head anymore as we used to be. But we should be. Do you remember when you first saw? Like, he always had weird hair. But then, as he started getting older, the 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 bird's nest got bigger. But he talks about it like it's like he talks about those phone calls. It's the perfect call. It's the perfect hair. I've got the best hair. No, he doesn't. Everything he says, it's it's the opposite of reality. That's why I talk about opposite world all the time it just it's it's pretty astounding it makes no sense but um, what else happened today there was more Oh did you hear Michael Cohen is talking about running for Congress? Yes let me say that again Michael Cohen the Trump's former um, you know fixer Michael Cohen the one who paid off Stormy Daniels and, and went to jail and then you know got a conscience. And, and came over to the good side. He's talking about primarying Jerry Nadler. Now, okay, I, I this all just broke, so I haven't really um, considered it in all of its grandiosity. But really? Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. What do you... What do you think? I, I guess I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I he'd be better than George Santos or whatever his name is, I suppose. But there's still the ew factor, isn't there? A little bit about um, Michael Cohen. I mean, I, I'm happy that he came to the, he saw the light, he went towards the light. Um, and and he came out on the right side of justice, but man, I don't know. Um, all eyes—I <laughs> got to share with you my favorite video of the day, maybe of the week, because you know it is a Friday. Yeah. Um, and so all eyes are on uh Iowa this weekend because you know it's the Iowa State Fair i got to tell you a few years ago we talked about this a little bit when when Dan Navarro was on the other day. There is um a thing that a, a tool that 's being used in radio now um, uh, that, that uh, called voice tracking. You know the internet made it possible so that I could be sitting here in my studio in Florida. And they send me the music logs for a radio station. In this case, I voice tracked for a radio station in Des Moines, Iowa, for about seven years. I voice tracked weekends, and I'd fill in during the week. And they'd send me the music logs, and I'd record the breaks, where I'm supposed to talk because everything is written out for you. It's all pre-programmed. And I would send it back, and they would insert it into the program, into the computer, and it would play, and it sounded like I was in the studio in Des Moines. I've never set foot in Des Moines. I've never been in the state of Iowa. But every year when the Iowa State Fair would come around, I had to talk about it as if, you know, I It was, I, I, I'd go all the time. So I'd talk about the ridiculous foods and the butter cow and all the, the ridiculous stuff they had there. This is what radio, commercial radio has come to these days. And I bring it up because the Iowa State Fair is in full swing. Do you remember the pictures of Michelle Bachman eating the corn dog and it looked like she was, you know, performing oral sex on a thing? Um, that was from the Iowa State Fair anyway all the candidates go there in when a presidential campaign is going on and they're all you know because they all want to have a good showing in the Iowa caucuses <laughs> so somebody um there's a video that was posted uh, that that I I think if it hasn't already gone viral it should so for those of you just listening to the audio stream and not seeing not seeing the video, I will tell you what we're seeing here. There's Ron DeSantis' bus. And the bus, you can see the painted the painted side of the bus. Um, and it says, never back down. And it looks like people have signed the bus for whatever reason. And there's a, 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 Q, a, a QR code that says, text Ron to and a number. It's Ron DeSantis' bus. Well, there's a woman standing outside of the bus with a bullhorn. And she's, she's, um, well, she is talking to the bus through the bullhorn. <laughs> and here's here's what it sounded like. Okay, in case you can't hear what she's saying, she's saying, putting fingers, putting fingers. Because, you know, Ron DeSantis is known to have eaten pudding with his fingers. So, pudding fingers, Putting fingers, go back to Florida, pudding fingers. Okay, so now you know you can sing along. To Florida, pudding fingers. Now the camera is panning, and you see Ron DeSantis and the, the lovely <clears throat> Casey walking towards the crowd, the throngs of Five people waiting to see him, but she's still singing, putting fingers, putting fingers. Now, somebody. (laughs) Now, in this case, wait, I I just got to tell you because. Okay, so one of. Get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck away from me. One of DeSantis's flunkies goes up to the woman with the bullhorn and starts trying to bat the bullhorn away. And so she's shouting through the bullhorn right into this guy's face. Uh, let me back it up so you don't miss any of the the, the grandiosity here. Get the fuck away from me. Get, Get the, the fuck Go back, <laughs> Go back to Florida. Pudding fingers. Pudding fingers. Go back to Florida. Pudding fingers. So, um again, my favorite my favorite video of the day. <laughs> Oh, to be in... Um, uh, you know, and I don't know who this woman is, but I've got to think that she's a Republican. Who else would be out there today? But it doesn't matter. Whoever she is, I applaud the Pudding Fingers lady. lady. Um, and I, I have it handy just in case. In case you just need to hear it at any point. Pudding Fingers! Pudding fingers! Go back to Florida! putting Fingers! finger no, <laughs> All right. So anytime you need it, you just let me know. I've got it standing by. uh oh, and I think I broke this. Um, anyway. Anyway, I, I believe I believe our guest is here. So um, Lisa Graves, I, I see her in the zoom room. Uh, there, her mic is on. Okay, so now I can bring her in and introduce uh, Lisa Graves, the, the, our legal expert here on the Nicole Sandler Show, uh, former uh, Deputy Assistant Attorney General under two count them two administrations, the the Clinton and the W, um, as well as a uh, you know a, a, a counsel in the in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, Lisa Graves, I could I could fill the whole hour with your experience, and I, I thank you so much for bringing it here and helping me sift through this legal stuff.
3: Oh, you're so great to have me on, Nicole, and it's so nice of you to put up that photo from the premiere of the 13th, Ava Doom Renee's amazing oh. film about the 13th Amendment. So uh, sorry, I'm not on camera today, but I really appreciate the chance to join you. Oh, well, I always appreciate it. And my listeners,
0: you've got a lot of fans now in in the chat room because you've been on a number of times with me and and they love you, as do I. So thank you so much oh. for being here. I didn't <laughs> I know that people. that's what this photo was from. It's a great picture.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny because they, uh, they had us walk the red carpet and then they said, you know, pose. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that is a, not a familiar experience for me, but um, I was thrilled to be there uh, because Ava's film is so important and it's available. I hear a lot of people are uh, you know, have seen it, but also that it's used in school curriculum to teach people about the meaning of the 13th Amendment and then what happened after that Civil Rights Amendment passed, you know, for the last 150 years, kind of how how um, it's been evaded by these different policies. So she was nominated for an Oscar for that film. I think she won a BAFTA. Um, I think she should have won the Oscar, but um, it really is a great film. If you haven't seen it, Please check it out. It's called The 13th, and it's by Ava DuVernay. So thanks for letting me make that plug, oh, Nicole. Oh, any time. So wait, do I hear you correctly?
0: There are schools that are actually showing sort of fact-based um, dramatic movies. That's that's astounding to me because, you know, I'm here in <laughs> no. the fascist state of Florida, where you know what they're showing kids
3: in the classrooms here? U, not Prager Frager U. Prager PragerU propaganda.
0: Oh yeah. my god. And I'm I'm seeing on the, you know, like the next door site and stuff like that, people saying that their kids are being shown these videos from PragerU that's nothing but right-wing pro- propaganda.
3: I mean, I at one point I actually thought I should just stop everything I'm doing and write rebuttals to all the deceptive claims made by PragerU, but I there've been so many things to do around the court and the rule of law. I haven't had a chance to do it, but I have looked at a number of their videos. I'm not saying every single one of them is lying from top to bottom, but what I can say is that numerous U videos that I've seen are filled with lies and disinformation. And it's shocking that any school district in the country would give them a platform since it's just so notoriously filled with disinformation. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's, 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 it's malpractice for, for those videos, those Prager, Prager U and it's not even a university, obviously, It's no. just the name. Like from the get-go, it's deceptive. The name is Prager U as if it's a university when it's really just the videos that have been spawned by this radio televangelist dude, um, with a lot of money from secret sources to, um, basically tell lies to the American people dressed up in fancy little three minute video um, pieces and more. And so it's appalling that those things are being used to educate kids, let alone adults. And in fact, you know, they, I, I'm on uh, some of their uh, mailing lists or whatever, and they complain about how their some of the videos have been taken down by YouTube, which really it's a—it's enormous, you know, thing to be taken down by YouTube because so much junk is on YouTube yeah. and even Even they have transgressed in some of their videos that they, you know, can't get them aired on YouTube, but they could be aired in Florida schools, apparently, under the reign of Ron DeSantis. It's astounding. It's astounding. And now today I'm perusing,
0: you know, the web and I come across this article "A Crooks and Liars and the headline is Dennis Prager. What's wrong with masturbating to child porn? And did you see this story? Apparently... Um, Dennis Prager believes that like animated child pornography, that's that that's okay. Um, here it says, Prager, you kids, cartoon videos for children as young as kindergarten age. Not only soft pedal the history of slavery, racism, colonialism, and police brutality, they show sympathy for them. In one video, Leo and Layla meet Christopher Columbus. Columbus tells young Leo and Layla, quote. Slavery is as old as time and has taken place in every corner of the world. Being taken as a slave is better than being killed. No? Okay, so that's bad enough. It's, uh, that's astounding that this, they're showing kids in school. But uh, there's a, another video. Prager tells a host that he doesn't consider animated child pornography evil, because oh wait a minute there's audio here
2: listen do you use the word evil of animated child pornography because no, I, I certainly I would I no I would use evil.
0: Uh-oh Come on
2: there. That's where we might differ no. from forgetting the sex issue you can't be evil you didn't do evil if you thought evil you did if evil I if I'm if masturbating you committed. to animated pictures of pornography I'm not doing something evil That's correct Yeah I think that's I think that's despicable Yeah Really? Oh, yeah. yes, of at, least, at he, least
0: this guy called him out for it. Apparently, he said um, masturbating to anime child pornography
3: is fine. Yeah, I mean, that is despicable. The guy who asked him the question was spot on. That's yeah. despicable. And I think there's more to learn about um, Dennis Prager's extreme views views that, you know, most people would find appalling and how he's tried to, you know, use this brand of Prager U with the capital U um, as a way to you know really get into people's homes through their computers with his with you know a, a pack of propaganda and so he's not a credible source in my view that that you know um, that interview alone seems disqualifying to me I can't imagine a parent would want to have their kids getting videos produced by a guy who holds that view because obviously child porn is inherently damaging whether it's quote fictional right. or, real, or um, real it's absurd and you know i, I mean you know the, the fact that parents um don't know that you know aren't being told that the guy uh the guy producing the videos that are now being being spoon fed to their kids in schools is the very same guy who has that who has taken that position publicly i mean people have a right to know that about him yeah, without a doubt, and people
0: should know that. And the fact that they're pushing this in the school while Desantis screams about
3: indoctrinating
0: our children—what the hell do you think that is?
3: Yeah, I mean it, it is. Uh, I mean, you is is almost like textbook indoctrination. That's exactly what it's That's designed right. to do. And they ha- and they are targeting kids with their disinformation, and also like the 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 the, the Columbus stuff and the like. Like, I actually cannot believe that we are. St- sitting here standing here in 2023 and we're even having a debate about the evil of slavery. Yep. Slavery is regardless of when it has taken place in the, on the planet, it is an inherent uh, evil. It is an uh, like an, like a, an evil that has no mitigating factors to it. And anyone who can't say that slavery is evil has you know, is definitely someone who's defending an evil institution and evil practice. And, um, and, you know, really is morally bankrupt because this, the easiest thing, any politician, any human could say is, of course, slavery is wrong. Of course, slavery is evil. Of course, there's no like beneficial components to uh, slavery, to people who are enslaved (laughs) against their will. And the fact that there are politicians and their um, operatives Willing to assert otherwise is is just I mean, it's just a damn shame. And it's it's truly appalling.
0: It it really is. So this popped out of sort of nowhere today. Um, But there was lots of other uh, legal happenings today. Now, we knew, Lisa, that there was going to be a hearing, the first actual hearing in this latest, this third case against Donald Trump, this one having to do with his actions Around January sixth, the indictment that just came out a couple of weeks ago—that's being um, tried in in DC with the uh, uh, the the judge—and and, and I, I keep having a blank on her name. I have to keep pulling it up. What what is uh, Judge Chutkin, who seems yes. very yes. Um, you know kind of chill, just like uh, like nonplussed, like I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to be sensible, and I'm going to I'm going to be fair. But I'm not going to stand for any of your shit. And so today, although Trump's people tried to delay it yet again, she, she said we're having this hearing Friday morning, 10 a.m. about the protective order. And can you explain what a protective order in this case is?
3: Well, there, a protective order is not the same as a gag order, even though there's been this effort by Trump and his apologists to, to convey it that way. It's very common in, um, in fact, even without a protective order, there are longstanding rules regarding um, whether, uh, you know, uh, trying to prevent attorneys and their clients from basically polluting the jury pool through trying the case in the media. And so this is nothing new. This is a longstanding part of U.S. jurisprudence is the effort to make sure that we can have a fair trial. And that has um, been upheld literally thousands of times in U.S. history to make sure that people aren't trying their cases in public in a way that taints the jury. Um, because the purpose of the jury trial is to ensure a fair trial by impartial jurors, people who um, have not been tainted by having a predetermined point of view for an outcome, that they are fair and fairly considering the case. And that means that they're considering Evidence, meaning material that people are willing to state under oath, under penalty of perjury, not just random nonsense that someone says into a microphone trying to defend themselves and hype up a crowd. A, a trial, one of the chief benefits of trial, as my friend Mary Catherine reminds me regularly, is that it's it's a trial about truth. Mm-hmm. Trials are about evidence and so you can't just put anything at evidence just because you know it's your it's your uh, latest talking point it has to be actually true or something that you're willing to testify under oath is actually true right um that's why in long stand you know for decades, centuries, there have been rules about hearsay because you can't just put into evidence what someone else said to you because you may not be a reliable witness. Right. And you don't have firsthand knowledge that you can't testify about it. Right. In general, with some limited exceptions, the court requires the person's actual testimony in court under oath, under penalty of perjury so that the jury can see with their own eyes and ears someone's testimony and whether they're being truthful. So this protected order issue is about um, the efforts of Trump to assert that he has some sort of freestanding, unlimited 1st right to say whatever he wants about the trial, about the case, without, without following the long-standing traditional rules regarding trials. And so this, um, this hearing today was about that issue that is an issue in general in all criminal and civil cases, and it's not It's not abnormal. It's not exceptional. What's exceptional is having a defendant who is so unbound to facts and truth and law that he thinks that he can do whatever he wants, regardless of what the longstanding rules that govern trials and juries and jurors and lawyers and ethical codes have held for you know, well over a century in America.
0: Right, right, but but Donald Trump, look, he's never played by the rules. He thinks he can say whatever he wants and what he deems is the truth is the truth to, despite the fact that it's complete bullshit. So, so the judge today basically spelled out the terms about what, what he can and can't say and I think she's being very careful just as Jack Smith was not to charge on things that he said, not because all they were going on is this a First Amendment case? They're trying to silence him. Not at all. It's not about what he said. It's about what he did or didn't do, and um, but it, had, it has nothing to do with his speech. So this is all about uh, you have the right to protest. You have the right to say you 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 know you disagree with whatever. You do not have the right to show these documents that are um, you know. In many cases, I guess, classified um, information, but also stuff that is not to be what she's calling sensitive materials. Um, and in the order, because I'm looking at the court order right now, it's just a five page document and it, it spells out there's no limit on documents or that, that he already has or that are in the public domain already, but sensitive materials, which the United States may designate in accordance with paragraph eight below, subject to this order, it may... Uh, may be used by the defendant and defense counsel solely in connection with the defense of this case and for no other purpose and in connection with no other proceeding without further order of this court. So basically, and, and it goes on to say you shall not disclose these sensitive materials or their contents directly or indirectly. I mean, she's going into great... Um, Detail. And then there's a part that also says here number five, before providing any sensitive materials to an authorized person's in other words, Trump, defense counsel must provide the authorized persons with a copy of this order, and the authorized person must agree in writing to abide by this order. So am I reading that right, Lisa, that any time they give Trump any of these so-called sensitive materials, they have to provide him with a copy of this order, and he's got to sign something that says
3: he understands and he's willing to abide by the rules? That's right. That's exactly as I read (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and in essence, it's it's a way to make sure that uh, when he is held in contempt, which seems highly likely given his refusal to follow basically any orders of any court uh, or you know of any kind. In essence, um, he will have had to have signed that he is willing to follow those rules and that he is basically willfully, knowingly violating them. So there could be no no ambiguity that he somehow didn't know or didn't understand that by signing, he's agreeing to follow these rules. And um, again, these are rules designed to protect sensitive material in the trial, evidence that will come, become, becoming before those jurors, but that is not already in the public domain or already in his possession. Right. And um, I think it's a really, it's a very measured, but appropriate uh, ruling by the court. And it's also very um, carefully designed to protect against, you know, yet again, more claims of, of you know ignorance, or or that he has some right to do this, notwithstanding the norms for um, judicial proceedings and trials in particular. Right, but okay, so
0: I get all that, and it's written. I mean, it's to me very clear, and obviously, I'm not a I, I, I'm not uh, fluent in legalese. However, I'm reading through this whole thing, and I'm not seeing if he. He he um, does not abide by the rules stated here in this order. If he uh, continues to flaunt his idiocy in public and and goes against this order, what happens?
3: Well, the, if, if any um, party or lawyer disobeys an order of the court um, or you know an order in this in the sense this type of ruling, um, they can be held in contempt. And if they're held in contempt, uh, there are a number of penalties for contempt that could that could include jail time or a mm-hmm. fine or both. Um, so that could be served, you know, during the trial, after the trial. A lot of that is really, you know, it's really within the judge's discretion how to enforce a contempt order. It could be the basis for a threat to impose contempt on a, like a second instance, for example. But it's really within the judge's discretion how to handle what is like, you know, we we say this word contempt or contempt of court. And clearly, trump 's whole modus operandi in many ways is based on contempt, yes, uh, and so like his, his part of his his persona in the in the cult that he has you know tried to stoke is this cult of contempt, in essence, um, but there's a very particular me that like the, the more traditional use in the law is this idea that you are acting in contempt. Of court meaning you're not viol- you're not following the court's orders and so um it is within the judge's discretion how to handle contempt meaning violation of a direct order of the court.
0: Right. Now now there were no um cameras in the courtroom because it's a federal case. Now does I and I've heard conflicting uh reports on this Lisa Graves. So one report I heard is that the judge herself could say this is of such national importance um I'm going to allow cameras in this courtroom, because I think it is of uh, paramount importance and and public's right to know. The other thing that I heard is that the Supreme Court has final say over whether or not cameras would be allowed in a federal courtroom. Is either one of those correct, or do
3: you know? Well, under the federal rules of criminal procedure, going back, uh, you know, more than 50 years, actually, I think it might be almost 70 years now, Um, there's been a prohibition in those criminal procedure rules for federal courts for electronic media coverage of criminal trials. Obviously we've seen some state court proceedings um, that occur on, you know, on camera. Uh, There's some famous trials, um, as you well know, that have been televised, but in general, because of this longstanding provision of the, uh, of the rules for criminal procedure, federal trials have not been broadcast and that is included both audio and video on um, that ba- that bar. Um, it certainly would be possible to change those rules, but it would be a change in the rule. I don't think that, I don't think that, uh, um, I don't think it's up to the Supreme Court to decide that for the lower court. It's a matter that um, has applied to the entire federal judiciary. It's certainly a broader po- public policy issue that could be examined and revisited. Overall, it just would be, um, unlikely to happen for this trial. You know, like, those are rules that, you know, probably should be revisited in the 21st century. Yeah. Should be able to see it. In fact, you know, um, in the in the Supreme Court, um, you know, which is not a criminal proceeding, uh, but in the Supreme Court there is audio, mm-hmm. or, you that know, is recorded of the oral arguments and the decisions are rendered in audio form, in person, but also in audio form. Um, and obviously there's been a whole set of experimentation at the state level um, with uh, trials that are publicized, and many states do have um, trials that are publicized for the public to see for themselves and hear for themselves, you know, what's happening in those trials, but it has been a long-standing rule uh, in the federal criminal system, criminal court, for criminal cases under the criminal procedure rules to not have televised trials. In this case, I think it's
0: insane. Look, this man is... Um, is poised to be the the Republican nominee in the twenty twenty four presidential race. The public has a right to know what's going on, and since they they're so distrusting of the reporting of the mainstream media, the only way to get them to see is to show the trial. I i i i is could somebody file? A, a lawsuit like saying we as citizens deserve the right to see this trial as it unfolds and not have to get the reporting on it through a, a, a third party.
3: Well, you know, that is, that's a great question. I know that there have been efforts to uh, assail this rule. It's rule 53 of the federal rules of criminal procedure, um, you know, on sort of free press grounds that under the first amendment, yeah. the press has a right to access trials. Um, I, my understanding is that those efforts have been unsuccessful, uh, in essence, at every turn, and um, and, I, and it has also prohibited even still photography at, st- yeah. at trials. That's why in the federal system, you'll see these sort of lovely, but you know, um, um, static uh, the sketches, uh, right. yeah. from, uh, court, um, you know, court reporters who are, who are, who are there specifically to sketch because photos and videos and audio have not been allowed in federal court. So, you know, there there certainly could be a new appeal to try to have this rule declared unconstitutional. It's a rule, not a statute. It's been in effect for a long time. Um, you know, certainly things do change and there may be some ways to try to uh, uh, say that it, you know, should it should not be allowed to be sustained, but that would be a separate, you know, a separate substantial ruling. But on the broader point uh, the broader point, Nicole, I do uh, really believe that it would be valuable for the American people to hear and see the testimony in this yeah. trial, just as they could hear and see the testimony in the January 6th hearings that were so compelling to, to really see, for example, these Republicans, tried and true Republicans, who were who stood up to Trump, who told him that this was ridiculous. He knew that this was a sham; these lies he was telling to raise money and try to stay in power against the will of the American people. Um, and it was very compelling to see them testify, to see their credibility. And it it it's um, unfortunate that under the long these longstanding rules that doesn't appear likely here. Um, but uh, I'm hopeful that there may be some other ways for people to um, to learn about those trials or to have transcripts made available on a rapid basis yes. and other sort of eyewitness accounts from within the courtroom that are compelling. But it certainly is um, a disadvantage in terms of public knowledge to not have the American people to be able to see, for example, if Donald Trump were to testify To see him actually testifying under oath, under penalty of perjury versus the performance that he puts on on these stages uh, with flags draped around him to suggest his patriotism, even as he as he has attacked the core, um, the core notions that have held our democracy together about respecting the lawful and the lawful and legitimate results of the election, which he knows he knows damn well he lost. That's right. Of course he does. Um, here's my prediction: that if
0: if if nothing is successful and we're we don't get cameras in the courtroom or even a, an audio recording like we do with the Supreme Court, transcripts will be released. Right? We, we'll get that much yep. at least. So we'll yeah. see. I, I Yeah. I predict every night, probably on MSNBC, but I'm guessing on a, a lot of podcasts, there will be dramatic reenactments of the hearing uh, done by actors or, you know,
3: yeah. people. Actually, I'm sort of interested to see that, you know, the woman who, the comedian who did those, um <laughs> the voiceover ones, whether there's like a reverse version of that, because she was right. so good.
0: Yes, I <laughs> forgot about yeah. her. That's right. She did the, the Trump uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sarah yeah. something, I think her name was. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. sort of disappeared, yeah. but yeah, she could make a comeback there. Um But she would have to do the voice. Now, I do pretty good. Donald Trump, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine having to, to be him. Um, by the way, the the one thing we know is what um, the judge, Chutkin, closed the hearing with a final warning for Trump's team. She said that the more inflammatory statements are made that could affect the jury, the quote, greater the urgency will be that we proceed to trial quickly. Now, that yep. said, Jack Smith is asking for a January 2nd trial date. Do you think that'll
3: happen? Well, I'm sure hopeful about it. I mean, I, I obviously, Trump is complaining about it, but it's it's complaining of his own device, you know. Um, in essence, like he's he's trying to, you know. I personally, um, you know, this idea that he declared that he's running for president months ago is design was designed to try to prevent a criminal investigation of him, which was clearly underway. I mean, we. We have, you know, since 2016, 2015, we have seen presidential candidates declare earlier and earlier rather than late in the year in the fall Mm -hmm. like now. Um, But that was clearly designed to try to give himself some sort of insulation from being held to account for his actual crimes, in my view, that evidence seems so compelling. But, um, you know, so he he's going to want to try to push that off. Um, and, and push it off. But you know, I hope that trial date stands because we, the American people have been waiting waiting far too long for justice. And I appreciate the tremendous efforts of the special prosecutor of, of Jack Smith and of the other investigators to really try to get these cases to, uh, to trial. Um, and I, I know it takes a long time, but it ha- the justice, the gears of justice have have been grinding very slowly in holding Trump to account. And we desperately need him to be held to account because, um, because if if his sort of subversion of our democracy is not held to account, it becomes a strategy for the future. And it clearly is his strategy for the future. Absolutely.
0: Um. Hey, Lisa, we got a phone call and it's somebody that you know. Spocko is on the line. I don't, I'm hoping oh, you'll be able to yes. hear him. Hello there. Lisa, can you hear him? Can you hear me? I can.
3: Hey, Spocko, it's so nice to hear your voice.
4: I am so glad to hear for you. And I was going to write you out about some of these things, but I see Nicole asked a bunch of the questions. I've been very interested in the next steps of Trump violating both his pretrial conditions and the protective order. And I've been talking to uh, Glenn Kirshner about it. He did a nice video about the next steps. Could you talk about the specific next steps that will happen from uh, like who uh, getting into the point of, we know Trump's going to violate them. Who files the motion? Where does it come from? How does the judge decide on uh, on a show cause hearing could explain that part. And then the next step showing the different pieces that are going to happen to get to Uh, The judge do a stern warning, a contempt. Could you explain that process? Because I'm hearing everybody saying, oh, this will never happen. he will never spend time in jail. He'll never stop using true social. I'd like you to explain the process because I really think the judge is going to rule on it. And I'd like to hear how it's going to go.
3: Well, well, I appreciate that, (laughs) Spocko. You know, um, I have to say, like in general, in general, I don't speculate much. But what I can say is, um, I you know, and I and I totally respect Glenn uh, Glenn's uh, work, Glenn Kirchner's work, who you mentioned and your and your efforts as well, uh, Spaco, to bring things to light. So I would just say, um, you know, contempt is a power that uh, judges hold. It's their power; they can act without emotion uh, on be- on any act that is in contempt of court. So. Um, uh, she doesn't need a motion from the prosecutor to hold Trump in contempt. She can uh, make that determination herself based on his actions. She can also entertain a motion, I suppose, uh, from the prosecutor to hold them in contempt, but that's uh, that's not necessary. Uh, she could ask for briefing on on that, I suppose, but in general, again, that's not necessarily something that's even briefed typically, if a party is in contempt. The court um, handles that as a matter of her, her or his role um, as the adjudicator in that courtroom, and can devise, um, you know, any number of appropriate um, steps to respond to that contempt. Um, there could be uh, a, a requirement, as I mentioned to, to Nicole, that um, he be held in contempt and and be sent to jail. Um, she could have that. She could issue that order and sort of delay it to until after the trial so that he's not, you know, staying overnight, uh, in jail between trial, you know, dates of trial, uh, she could issue a fine, uh, impose a fine and then another fine for every single instance. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, order that that be paid, Mm. she could do both. Um, she could, um, issue other consequences for contempt, Um, you know, of course, she has to ensure that the trial is fair so it can be, so that any result can be sustained on appeal. So she can't just basically rule against him and hold him guilty, you know, find him guilty over a decision of a jury. She doesn't have that power. She has to have the trial continue. Um, I do think it's possible that his behavior could be disruptive, although he's been quiet in court, but he could certainly at some point be so disruptive to try to cause a mistrial. That could be a tactic that I could see him deploying. Um, And then she'd have to weigh, you know, how to deal with his contemptuous activities in court if he were to do so. And what that means in terms of the ability to, to have the trial continue to its conclusion in order to protect a fair trial. So there, you know, in short, there's a number of things that a judge, ha- a judge has the inherent power to do other than in a criminal trial to rule uh, basically to find the to conv- the defendant guilty if he's requested a jury trial, which he has a right to request under the Constitution. Um, and so I am confident that um, other than Judge Cannon, who I have no confidence in whatsoever, oh. administering her role fairly, but for the other judges involved, I'm confident that they will um, – you know, protect the integrity of the court, um, and uh, and act appropriately to hold him in contempt, uh, as you say, when he acts with contempt of court, right. which he will um, and not get right. away with it. Yeah. Right. All
0: right. Thanks, Spocko. I appreciate the question, Lisa Graves. You know, we could spend another hour at least and more going over the Trump stuff, but there's a bunch of other. Uh, questions that have come up today alone in the world of law Um, special counsel for Hunter Biden. Is that what, 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 what's that about?
3: Well, I think that, you know, this is not unusual. It's unusual in the sense that, you know, uh, special counsel appointments aren't happening every day, but when you have, um, when you have allegations being made about a um, family member, um, of the president or in the white house. Um, it's, it's the case that the justice department's longstanding rules are to prevent an appearance of conflict, any appearance that, um, that the attorney general might have, uh, ha- might favor the president who appointed him. And so, um, they would you know appoint a social counsel to ensure that, or at least try to ensure that there's an appearance of impartiality in assessing the claims. That's not to say that there is, um, Necessarily, a a legitimate basis for the array of claims that have been uh, uh, made by Jim Jordan and and Comer and others, but just in order to protect the appearance of the impartiality of justice, to not have that um, that question, the questions that have been raised, um, not to have that handled by a political appointee, meaning the Attorney General, versus else who's not a political appointee of this president
0: but now the guy the prosecutor who's been overseeing this case for five years i guess the the hunter biden investigation um was a trump appointee and he was he asked to be elevated to special counsel status and merrick garland said yes so why are the republicans bitching
3: well (laughs) that's a question for the ages uh you know there's no uh there's no consistency, no concern <laughs> about democracy. You know, um, nothing would satisfy them. You know, basically, except for if they themselves were, I suppose, somehow uh, charged with that task, which they would be completely unfit for because they have such bias and such disregard for um, actual evidence, as we've seen in the hearings. You know, thus far, let alone Benghazi and the fiasco that they pursued to the tune of millions and millions yep. of tax dollars. Uh, in that instance, that they trumped up charges to try to damage Hillary Clinton in her as she was going to be running for president. So you know, um, nothing would satisfy them. Nothing would satisfy them. No. You know, there's no there no appointment of anyone would uh, would be sufficient for them. I guess unless it was one of Donald Trump's own discredited
0: lawyers. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um uh, again, there's so many things today. So it's sort of like the uh the the lightning round. Um we got to <laughs> talk about the Supreme Court. So Clarence Thomas uh, uh ProPublica did another um exposé and we've learned that what we knew is even worse than than uh, than what we thought. So here's here's the latest uh, revelations about the Thomases.
2: The most complete accounting yet of the high life of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas shows much, much more than previously known. Uh More private jets, more fancy vacations, more sporting events, all gifts from mega rich businessmen and documented through public and private records, plus interviews by ProPublica.
4: Justice Thomas has been living a life of extreme luxury for 30 years, underwritten by at least four different ultra-wealthy benefactors.
2: Earlier reports have revealed lavish gifts to Thomas, including a house for his mother and this nine-day vacation in Indonesia from conservative billionaire Harlan Crow. i come
1: from regular
2: stock. Who also underwrote a film about Thomas's humble taste. I prefer the RV parks. Now the list of benefactors includes three more names according to ProPublica, David Sokol, Wayne what? Izinga, and Tony Novelli. Thank you. The report says the four moguls collectively treated Thomas to 38 destination vacations, including a previously unreported voyage on a yacht around the Bahamas, 26 private jet flights, plus an additional eight by helicopter, a dozen VIP passes to professional and college sporting events, two stays at luxury resorts in Florida and Jamaica, and one standing invitation to an Uber-exclusive golf club. (laughs) The dollar value? Likely in the millions little of which appeared in required financial disclosures, according to ProPublica.
0: Amazing. So uh, this just go, goes from bad to worse, and that we haven't even talked about Alito. It, d- d- the, the Supreme Court is out of control. What, should Clarence Thomas resign? Because I know a lot of people are calling for that now.
3: Well, Thomas certainly should resign. I mean, he is corrupt. Uh, he has brought shame to the Supreme Court. He's a liar, uh, and he's someone who has... Uh, used his public office for private gain to live this life of luxury and hid it from the American people, but not from his closest friends. One of the funniest and most outrageous things about the story that was published by ProPublica, which is so good, and please read it, is that uh, Jenny Thomas uh, basically adds to these photos that she's distributed to her closest friends uh, basically bragging about these luxury trips, in which she says Four lucky people got to go with this billionaire uh, in the skybox. Four lucky couples got, you know, as as if this was some sort of luck. They just were like chosen by lottery. They were handpicked by the billionaires who have befriended them, befriended Thomas to just lavish him with gifts that he and she feel entitled to have and to hide the American people while he goes on the air in speeches as well as in his you know, document so posed documentary about his life, his his vanity pick, <laughs> in which he claims, "Oh, he's just a man of the people, and he, he loves prefers- the RVs, right? He's, he he prefers, prefers a Walmart the Walmart parking lot <laughs> and, and the RV. <laughs> the very RV that he's talking about was basically given to him by another billionaire who gave him a loan, and, and who, which he quote satisfied, whatever that means, with no documentation that he ever actually paid it back. He has just been on the grift." for decades now, and he's also issuing rulings that affirmatively damage our rights. He has got to be removed from office. He should resign. If there were an opportunity to impeach him, I would absolutely support it. Uh, If we had a Senate that was not corrupted in its own self in terms of the way those Republicans refused to impeach Donald Trump after the attack on January 6th, Clarence Thomas would be convicted of vice and graft of using his office for his own personal gain by allowing these billionaires who befriended him after he became a supreme (laughs) court justice to basically wine and dine and schmooze and booze him and they have they have business before the court in part because so many of these cases that have been coming to the court are part of this republican agenda to destroy roe to destroy our ability yep. to admit it, to climate change and more and these billionaires have bank, been bankrolling politicians to achieve just that even if they themselves were not appearing in the case before him it is corrupt it's wrong and i look forward for there being actual legal consequences for clarence thomas just today i'll just end on this note nicole um five members of the house of representatives including jamie raskin and um, and Representative Nadler and AOC and Hank Johnson um, and others signed a letter asking for a criminal referral to the US Department of Justice to Good. investigate Thomas. And I am. I'm so glad they did so. Oh, that's, that's the best news I've heard all day.
0: Somebody's got to do something to hold this guy accountable. And, you know, then, then look into Alito and Roberts and the rest of them as well. Because this is, you know, oh, we, 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 we police ourselves. Well, sorry, nobody else gets to police themselves. You need oversight. That's how, the, that's how our government system is based, right? On a system of checks yeah. and balances, allegedly.
3: Yeah. And Roberts needs to be held to account for this because this is his court. He's been at the helm since since 2005. He has allowed this culture of corruption to thrive. He has not policed it. He's dodged every effort by Congress to to move forward with ethics reforms. He he should be held to account for allowing this corruption to to thrive and flourish at the court. Um And um and Alito, you know, as well, you know, I, I just think it's it's just so grotesque that the highest court in the country not only has no standards, but in fact they appear to be unwilling to follow even the most basic notions of appearance of impropriety, appearance of of basically using your pu- your public office for private benefit. Clearly, that's what's happening, and this court, meanwhile, is acting with such arrogance to destroy longstanding precedents that protect our rights. And do so in a way that serves the interests of the billionaires who have been bankrolling these trips, as well as the billionaires who've been bankrolling Leonard Leo in his effort to pack the Supreme Court and other courts in this country. And here they did
0: and that 's exactly what they did and and yet the Democrats are inept in in terms of countering it. The Republicans packed the supreme Court we 're talking about increasing the number of justices on the court to make it a bit more equitable to get more reasonable voices there because first of all, I contend that all three of those seats that Donald Trump filled were stolen so and and anybody can argue that at least two of them were. Um, and it this that they're the ones who pack the court with the most right wing I'm not even going to say conservative you know right wing extremist yeah. kind of of justices, if you can call them that or injustices um and and it would only be fair, but the, you know the the Democrats are just they they're allowing the language of oh the the Democrats want to pack the courts the Republicans are masters at projection and you know, doing the opposite world thing. but well, So we need to
3: unpack that court. That's what has there to happen. There you go. Exactly. Unpack that court, restore its integrity, and restore the, the rule of law, and not just for the rule of law to be the rule of the billionaires who want these laws changed to suit their own personal agenda, regardless of the interests of the American people. So I'm actually, I'm a little more hopeful than you about this, Nicole, Good. because... I feel like there's growing support for uh, for addressing this serious crisis in multiple ways. It's both a crisis of the integrity of the court in terms of its ethics, but also the integrity of the court in terms of the substance and the willingness of this court to destroy people's rights um, because it's basically aligned with the party that appointed them. And so I, I think we've got a growing number of Americans who are. Uh, who are strongly, uh, strongly support reforming the court. And we have a growing number of people in Congress who are who are supportive, too. But we're going to need to have control of the Senate and the House and the White House. Yes. um, in, In the next cycle, in my opinion, personal opinion, uh, in order to have any chance to uh, to adopt these reforms. But, you know, um, I am I am hopeful about it. And in fact, I mean, it's horrifying what's happening with the court. But I'm glad that people can see how corrupt it is, how out of control it is, and that we absolutely have to hold it in check.
0: Without a doubt. Lisa Grace, I'm so glad to hear you say that because, again, you're more obviously more uh, plugged into uh, the, the legal world than I am. And I'm glad that you're optimistic about it because and I think the more news that comes out, the more we learn about the shit that Clarence Thomas has been pulling for 30 years and not reporting it bad enough that his wife has been an activist Inter- participating in things like January sixth, participating in yeah. trying to steal the election while they say stop the steal, talking. You know, um, yeah. this is it's it's beyond the pale and and enough already. Um, so I'm glad you're optimistic about that. We we could go on for hours and you'll just have to come back because there's so much more to talk about. Um, I want to remind you, you you said it before. My in my opinion, Lisa Graves comes on here. As as uh, uh, you know, a private citizen, but you should check out the work she's doing uh, at TrueNorthResearch dot org because you do um, you you out the bad guys. I mean, your work really really uh, opened the door and taught us about the Koch brothers and about Leonard Leo and about uh, Citizens United and about um, um, Alec and all these groups that are working to undermine democracy. Um, and that's the work you do. So I want people to go check out true north um, and David just came in and handed me a note and he said to thank you for subscribing to his Follow the Moneyball podcast.
3: Oh yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, it's a joy to be on your on your show Nicole anytime and uh, I know these topics are it's just like just co- so much every single day but happy to join you anytime and I appreciate Always, you're so knowledgeable and prepared and uh, just really a joy to have this conversation with you. And thanks, Spaco, for calling in and the audience out there. really appreciate everything you're doing and not giving up. We cannot give up. We have to get stronger. We have to multiply, get more people to move forward, to protect uh, the freedoms that our democracy is intended to secure. And, of course, that includes having actually fair versus this captured court that is out of control. So thanks for having me on, Nicole, and I hope you have a great weekend.
0: You too. Lisa Graves, thank you so much. And we will talk again soon. Much thanks, love. Thanks. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Uh, Lisa Graves, again, you can follow her still on the Twitters. And yes, I still call it Twitter at the Lisa Graves. And again, do check out truenorthresearch.org. Okay. And with that, the weekend is here. It's here. It's here. Um, so um, I'm going to go. We'll be back Monday, same time, same bat channel, all that shit. And yes, David has a podcast. So those of you who missed it the other day, my husband, David, is, um, you know, spent 44 years as an agent for major league baseball players. And so he finally uh, has started a podcast and it's called Follow the Money Ball, um, where he talks with. You know, people about the business of sports with an emphasis on baseball because that's, you know, his world. But if you're a sports fan, you will enjoy this. If you're a baseball fan, you'll really enjoy it. So, um, um, yeah, just uh, uh, Google follow the Moneyball podcast, David Sloan. Um, you know what? I'm going to put a link, duh, on my website. I will try to remember to do that this evening to his um, podcast But if you can't find it, just shoot me an email and I'll send you a link. But you should be able to get it just, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Follow the Money Ball. And his name is David Sloan, S-L-O-A-N-E. All right. With that, we're done. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Um, Try to turn the news off and do something that you enjoy. Like listen to David's podcast if you're a baseball fan. All right. Um, uh, Think it through says big Yankee fan here. Okay. Well, the, the episode he posted today is with a guy named Mitch something. Mitch. It's not Yankovic. What? what? Mitch what? Lukovics. Lukovics, who was, is the executive assistant to the general man. No. Special S- assistant. S- special assistant to the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. But he would here, you tell them who he is.
4: Special assistant to the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. For years and years, he was their director of player development. Before that, he was the director of player development for the New York Yankees. He was there and was one of the people who was instrumental in the development of Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Paul O'Neill, Mariano Rivera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Okay, so there's something you can do this weekend is go listen to his podcast. Again, I'll put a link on the blog uh, at NicoleSandler.com as well. All right? All right. I got to go. See you mañana. Oh, see you Monday. God, do I need a weekend or what? Over and out. Later, dudes. Bye. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt.
2: And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. (laughs)